Come, Holy Spirit, as we read your word. We read today from the book of Acts, beginning in the first chapter, the first verse. It says, The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive, after his suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the, the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside him. They also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, O Lord our God, how thankful we are to be able to come into your presence. We confess, we remember that there is no one like you, that you have done such miracles throughout this entire universe, and yet, as powerful and wondrous as you are, you care about each one, each detail. And that you who are so powerful would condescend to us is a gift beyond measure. Forgive us of any ways that we have fallen short this week. We repent, we turn away. Because, oh Lord, our God, you deserve everything. And we desire that there be no barrier between us so that we might feel your presence and know your will and be obedient to what you call us to do. We have come here today because we love you. We humbly ask that you would breathe life through these words today so that our love may increase and that your holy word would be spread from Sanford to Raleigh across the country and around the world. We cannot do this without you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Several years ago, I picked up a, a book by Rick Warren. I'm sure many of you have read some of his books as well. And this one was his very first, as far as I know. It was called The, the Purpose Driven Church. How many have read it? Anyone here read it? A lot of you, good. Well, in that book, he identifies that the church, the church universal, really has five functions. Every church, 
And uh, they're kind of neatly identified in one passage, John 17, 1 through 26, but they're in many other places throughout the scripture. And what this passage says, what the New Testament says, is that our function, our purpose within this church is to worship him, to evangelize, to become greater disciples, to have sweet fellowship with one another and go into our country, into our city, and be alive in ministry. Warren states, and I believe it's true, that for a church to be healthy and to grow, all five of these purposes must be there, they must be alive, and additionally, they must be in balance. And so, for our church to grow, and isn't it our desire this morning as we sit in this beautiful sanctuary, as we sing beautiful songs, we had just sung this song that says, Jesus at the center of, the all, of everything, nothing else matters, for his sake, for the sake of the lost, don't we desire for his church to grow? Amen? And then for us to grow then, if Rick Warren is right, if the scriptures breathe truth, which of course they do, these five purposes must be present, they must be alive and strong, and they must be in balance. So if we looked at these five functions, how would you say that we stack up? How would you evaluate the teachers here today? What kind of grade would you give us in each one of these five? Oh, that just brought back ugly memories of grade cards from long ago. What would you think about worship? I think the church staff works very hard to set the table of worship. The choir sang beautifully. The musicians are stunning. I, but then it's the work of the people to come together to worship him. How about discipleship? What kind of evaluation would you give? I think we would receive high marks from Sunday school to Awana to Sunday night Bible studies to, to small groups that are kind of meeting every once in a while. We'll grow in that area. But I believe discipleship is strong. How about fellowship? I was uh, sitting in Baptist Men the other night and uh, I was sitting with a group of men and it just touched my heart to think that, you know, I think of all of the churches that Sandy and I have been involved in over these last, I don't know, since 1981, I guess. This church, I think, is the most welcoming. This church has the sweetest fellowship. And I'm very thankful to be part of it. And how about then ministry, the fourth? And here it seems to me that we just, we just knock it out of the ballpark. I think about all of the ministries within Sanford and around the world that this church supports. It's not just monetary, but you know, things like CUOC and Helping Hands Ministry and Family Promise, you know, and, and, and people might ask every once in a while, what are those pillows out in the hallway for? You know? That's so that people that don't have a, a place to lay their head, they can have a clean pillow. The little things that we do. And my Lord, my heart is just overflowing when I think about that. And truly, I am thankful to be associated with you and all of the different ministries that you take part in. What about that fifth purpose, evangelism? Now, some might say, well, we contribute to evangelism through like Operation Christmas Child, and surely that's true, and Lottie Moon, and Annie Armstrong, and missions in Kosovo, and Utah, and Romania, and, and that's true, and those are necessary. JHBC has a, a long list of contributing to, as Jesus said, Judea and Samaria, and even the remotest parts of the 
world. And, and the truth is, I think that's commendable. And again, I'm proud of you. But what about Jerusalem? What about Sanford? What about our neighbors and our families and our friends? What, what about one-on-one -on -one evangelism? Now, please don't tune me out. Because I believe this is the most important thing that I could say to you, the members of JHBC, at this moment in history. This is the single most important thing that I can say to you. What about personal evangelism? My suspicion is that our attitude toward the Great Commission is something like this. You know, we financially support, say, Lottie Moon. And we know that that goes through the Southern Baptist Convention to the International Missionary Board, and it finally reaches that missionary, and then that missionary can go, and he can share the gospel one-on-one -on -one with someone, and we pray that the fruit is abundant, that many are saved. That's Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the world, earth, to use the words of Jesus. And I think... Perhaps our attitude is that since we are participating in evangelism around the world, that our sense is to have a kind of a satisfaction that that's good enough. But it cannot be a substitute. It cannot be a substitute. There will never be a personal, a substitute for personal evangelism. There will never be a substitute for this was my life before Jesus Christ and this is what he's done for me since. And by the way, he can do that for you too. There will never be a substitute for sharing what Jesus Christ has done for personal evangelism. And in this area, brothers and sisters, I believe that we're lacking. The final words of Jesus and last words carry weight, don't they? The final words of Jesus are a command a commission, a mandate to share our faith. Listen again to verse 8. May the Spirit breathe life through these words into our spirit, but you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both. You know what? As I was studying this week that verse, I'd never noticed the word both before. I just kind of went on to, you know, Jerusalem and Judea as if you could kind of Pick one, you know, I'm going to pick uh, Jerusalem, or I'm going to pick the, the other part of the world, or I'm going to go, no, he says, both in Jerusalem, Jesus, the one that we call Master, you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and even the remotest part of the earth. In other words, what I think he's saying is that wherever you go, it's our mandate, it's our command, not a suggestion. It's our command wherever we go that we're to share our faith. We showed the Vision 2017 projects, that little video just a moment ago. And my soul, I could not be more proud of you. Every time I watch that video, I'm the one that made it. And it just brings tears to my eyes every time that I, I watch it. Just think about all of the sacrifice, all of the work, all of the, 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 the struggle kind of, you know, to figure out what's just right. And it's good and it's right that we did it. But listen, it won't be enough. Fine facilities won't ever be enough. 
to make his church grow and shine. Some might say, well, I'll tell you what, if we just had one kind of music or the other kind of music, then the church would grow. Listen, I'm at the point in my life when I honestly believe that if the music that is sung is sung from the heart, that if, it is, if it, we have the desire to honor Jesus Christ, that the style of music is much less important. Or some might say, you know, I preached the shortest sermon in my life last, last week, and, and one of you came out and thought that was a pretty good sermon. <laughs> he, said, he told me, he said, he said, well, now you proved you can preach a 15-minute sermon. He was just playing, I think. But we could fuss about that. We could say, you know, if the preacher would just preach more expository, just kind of line by line, or if he'd just tell more stories, or if he'd just preach longer, or if he'd just preach shorter, or if he'd just preach louder or harder, or whatever. No, listen, listen, it doesn't matter. As long as it comes from the Word of God, it's inspired by His Spirit, it has a desire to lead the people and bless them, to help them to grow, style's not important. And so we could continue on that path. We could... Look at all of, you know, make a list of ministries and technologies and good things that are going to help the, the church grow. But sometimes, listen, I think that sometimes all those things are nothing but a smokescreen that keeps us from focusing on the two essentials of what this church needs to be about at this point in time. Prayer and sharing our faith one-on-one. That's it. That's the essential. That's the thing. These things that I think are going to bless the heart of God and lead us to share our faith so that many will be saved. Excuses about why we don't do personal evangelism have to stop. For this church to move forward, they've got to stop. For this church to grow, to shine bright for the kingdom of God, because for four years now, I've taught how to share faith and write our testimonies and how to overcome our fears. And we've had people come up and give their testimonies. And I've preached upon the horror of hell. I've preached upon the hope of heaven based upon the scriptures. I know in my heart I've shared with you that if we don't warn the lost, the scripture says the blood of those that are headed toward an eternity in hell are on our hands. If we don't warn them. We know the Great Commission. We know that this is the expectation. But truthfully, I feel like a bit of a failure because I don't feel like it's made a lot of difference. And so just to be as clear as I possibly can, the diversions and the excuses, we, we've got to stop. And may I, just, may I just say this? A few weeks ago, you know, I was at, we were at the associational meeting, and, and I'd already picked this passage some weeks ago. Scott knows but we went, and, and you know, the preacher got up, and he was just, he was kind of in the same tone, and he just seemed so angry. He just seemed so angry with everyone he was preaching at. And I'm just telling you today, I'm not angry, because that means that I'm on one side and you're on another. I'm just saying that this is our family. This is our church, and we're on the same side. And as your pastor, I'm just telling you, I believe that this is the most essential thing that we can do. And so the, the excuses and the diversions and the things that you know, make us feel good, writing that check is important. God bless you in your ministry. God bless you for your passion. We should be writing those checks. 
We just prayed Jesus at the center of it all. Is it truly the reality of our life? That wherever we go, we're, we're taking this incredible story of what Jesus Christ has done for each one of us. And fearlessly, Kenny just got up. What did he say? We are more than conquerors. We're, we're more than conquerors. The war has already been won. We're not accountable for those who accept Christ other than we share the good news. We're not going to save anyone. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But how beautiful are the feet that go and share the good news of our Lord and Savior. How hard is it really for us to just focus on those two essentials, prayer and personal evangelism, one faith at a time? Because really, how hard is it just to say, won't you come to church with me? While we were studying some evangelism, one of the pastors that was leading us, he said, he said to one of his friends, I care about you too much to think of being in heaven without you. And I just was so touched by that. Just the realness of it. And even as he talked about it, you know, tears came to his eyes. I care about you too much. How hard is it for us to get real with our neighbor, with our friends, those that we call friends? I don't want to offend them. Cut it out. Stop it. We're not going to offend them and let them go to hell. There's something terribly wrong with that. How hard is it to say, won't you come to church with me? Because at my church, we worship the living God. How hard is it to say, in my church, we will teach you, we'll help you grow in your faith. The fellowship is sweet at Jonesboro Heights, and it is, isn't it? Won't you come and be a part? How hard is it to say, this is what Jesus Christ has done in my life to a neighbor to a friend, to a family member, to an absolute stranger. How hard really is it? This is what Jesus has done in my life. This was my life before Jesus and now since. And what he's done for me, he can do for you as well. And listen, some of us, I've heard people say, oh, I just don't have, you know, the dramatic story. Listen, every one of us here before Jesus Christ was headed toward a burning and fiery eternal hell. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, he saved me while I was yet a sinner. So don't tell me you don't have a dramatic enough story. Because there is no more dramatic story. No more powerful story than this. And if we don't have a personal story about what Jesus Christ has done, what profound difference he's made in our life, then we might need to go back and make sure that we have a saving relationship with Jesus. And if we do have that life-changing, eternity-changing, isn't it worth telling somebody about? Isn't it worth telling everybody about? Here's the bad news. Here's the bad news. Studies are saying that 85% of all churches in America are either plateaued 
or in decline. That was a new statistic. When I started preaching 16 years ago, the, the statistics said that 50% of all churches in America were plateaued or in decline. Now in just 16 years, it says that 85% are plateaued or in decline. We were at an associational meeting two weeks ago, and one of the speakers got up and he said, it, it, it's not going to be long, it's just around the corner before this community is going to have to decide what we're going to do with all the churches that are about to close their doors. Now listen, that should hurt. Because we're not talking about across the country. We're not talking about blind statistics that we don't know the people. These are our families. This is our community. And these are churches who found it easier to stay behind the stained glass walls, easier to write a check than to share the gospel. That's the bad news, but listen to me. Just say amen if you're still here this morning. Just say amen. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. I believe with all of my heart that this church, Jonesboro Heights Baptist Church, look left, look right, this body of believers can turn that statistic around. I believe that right now this church is strategically positioned, that we've laid the groundwork, that we have the facilities, that we've got the people, that we can turn that around. And I'm not up here to be a cheerleader, and I'm not going to tell you a lie, but I believe it from my heart. But in order to do that, we're going to have to get back to the basics, to blocking and tackling, so to speak. And that's two things. That's prayer, and that's sharing the story of Jesus Christ one-on-one. And it's not a decision that I can make for you but it's a decision we can make together. So today or this week, I would like to ask you to ask yourself three questions. They're very simple. As you decide whether or not that you're on board to get back to the basics, prayer and sharing our faith. Question number one is this. Am I a person of passion for Jesus Christ? Because without passion, we have no testimony. How many of you are fishermen? Raise your hand. How many of you had no problem raising your hand? I know some of you. I know some of you that you can work fishing into any conversation, whether that's the topic or not. Why? Because you're passionate about it. Now, if we were just that passionate about Jesus, we'd figure out a way to talk about him. Amen? If we, you know, I, <laughs> I just, in my last church, boy, they were big on stock car racing. Not so much here. That's, I guess not. I don't know. But it's like, man, we could talk anything about stock cars. They'd figure it out. Always had enough money to go for the tickets because they were passionate about it. So I want to ask you today, Jesus at the center of it all, is it true in your life? Is it true in your life? Jesus said this to the church of Ephesus, but it might as well have been said to the church of America. And you have perseverance, and you have endured for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but this I have against you, that you have left your first love, left your first passion. So this week, ask yourself, or better yet, just ask the Spirit, am I a person of passion? Or have I left my first love? If so, while there is still time, 
while there is still time. People always say, well, there's always time for it. No, while there is still time, we can rededicate our hearts to Jesus. Question number two, am I a person of prayer? Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, I can do nothing. You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. But listen, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Ask yourself this week, when's the last time I prayed for an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? I, I commit to you today that that that's the prayer that I'm going to wake up with in the morning. Won't you do the same? Do you specifically pray for those that you know are lost? Jesus specifically promised you, you talk to me and let the Spirit walk with you and abide in me and you will bear much fruit and you'll lead many to Christ. Number three, last question. Am I a person of obedience? We don't like to talk about obedience much these days. Verse 9 of our passage to say after, says, And after Jesus had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? If there's anything kind of half-humorous in this passage, this is it, or at least in my twisted mind. Why do you stand looking in the sky? I find a little humor in that. It's as if they're asking, why are you still standing around? Didn't he tell you what to do? Go on now. Shoo. It's time for us to go too. Because he told us that you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. You are equipped by the Spirit. No more excuses. You have received power. This isn't just the work of the, of the ministers, the staff here, although we need to lead by example. So for the sake of the lost and for the love of Jesus, it's time to obey. It's time for us to go. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, our Lord and Savior and Master, speak to our hearts today by the power of your Spirit. Help us to not grow weary of doing good, but rather to continue on. I remember how on fire I was for you in those first days, and there was no one that could shut me up to talk about how you had saved me. Forgive me. Forgive us and help us to go back to those first days. Give us opportunities. Give us passion. 
give us peace so that we might share the good news of this incredible gift. We love you and thank you for including us in your ministry. Help us to abide in you. And for your sake and for the sake of the lost all around us, give us a passion to go. In Jesus' name, amen.